Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, big shout out to Paul in Wyoming. Thank you for your PayPal donation, Paul. I don't get a lot of PayPal donations anymore. Most people do uh, Patreon, but uh, hey, PayPal donation. That's great, man. That's great. And uh, I don't take it for granted. Absolutely not. Totally uh, appreciate that, Paul. We got Doc McGee. Can you believe that? Doc McGee is on the Talking Metal podcast a guy I've been a fan of because I'm a fan of the bands he's worked with. Some of my favorite bands, Motley Crue and Bon Jovi back in the day. We all knew who Doc McGee was because he was the manager behind these bands. I mean, there aren't a lot of rock and roll managers that that we know, uh, you know, who they are. Well, I mean, what, like Elvis's manager was it Colonel Parker or something? Peter Grant, you know. Uh, maybe Brian Epstein, the Beatles, and and Doc McGee, right? I mean, Doc McGee. Oh, my God. I can't believe we scored this. A big thanks to my friend Ian McCurdy for helping hook it up. Or not helping, hooking it up. Thank you, Ian. You made this happen, and I, I never take for granted the people you help book on this podcast. You've done quite a few of them through the years, and I never take for granted your friendship, your your. An awesome dude. Love Ian McCurdy. And let's uh, let's just mention, I returned to concerts this week. You know, I was supposed to see the Eagles back in August, and we got hit by the hurricane, and they had to delay the show by a few days, which gave me an out. And, you know, I, I was kind of, even though I'm vaccinated, I was kind of like, well, the Delta variant, you know, it's kind of high back in August, mid-August. So we had an out, so I got, a, I got my money back on those. But Megadeth hit. Last week here in PNC Art Center, outdoors, loved it, fun, maybe a little weird, you know, going back to shows. I don't know. I'd say there's maybe eight to 10,000 people there. That's a guess. Lamb of God. Wow. No disrespect towards Megadeth, but Lamb of God is a hard band to follow. They're so freaking good live. 
But Megadeth, short but sweet set. I mean, left them wanting more. I guess I would say that. It was it was definitely a short set by Megadeth, but they gave you what you wanted, you know? And they didn't do In My Darkest Hour. I kind of missed that a little bit, but what they did give us was great. Some really great classic Megadeth tunes. And Lamb of God kicked my ass, as usual. Then, two days later, I see Pearl Jam at the See Here Now Festival, a festival founded and run by my friend Tim Donnelly. He's one of the co-founders, I guess I'd say, co-producers. And wow, what a night and day this was. Jesus, 35,000 people on this beach, on the shore, on the sand at Asbury Park watching Pearl Jam play their first show in three years. It was emotional. It was great. I personally wish they played a lot of new stuff, which I get because they haven't had a chance to play songs off their new record. But I, I could have done with maybe just two less new songs and two more classics. But no, no complaints because it was a spiritual, magical night on the Jersey Shore. Listen, I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. I know some some metalheads maybe don't love Pearl Jam, but I, I do, and some metalheads do because they, listen, they have some aggressive, loud songs. But it was a great night, and 35,000 people, folks, vaccinated only, or you could provide your you know, test that was taken within the last 48 hours to show that you were negative of the COVID virus. So yeah, just a really fun night. My, my mic cut out there for a minute. I'm not sure what happened. Hopefully, I'm going to edit it together. Hopefully, you won't even notice. Uh, just a really fun night watching Pearl Jam play. Truly enjoyed it. And wow, just looking forward to more concerts and... You know, I said this to Doc during the interview. I think it's time that, that people start opening things back up. And it's not going to be like, you know, we're all jumping in the pool at once. I get that. I used to think, you know, a month into this, two months into this, what has it been, 18 months now? I was like, yeah, one day, it, you know, the light's just going to turn back on and everything's going to be great. And, and now that's not how it's happening. It's going to be a gradual thing because different people have different levels of comfort I can say that I'm after these two concerts I'm kind of there I'm kind of ready I got ministry next month I want to go see kiss I want to do the Vegas Vegas residency my wife and I went out to that in 2014 and had such a blast want to go back I think for the kiss Vegas residency you know we'll see as long as we don't get other some other crazy mutant mutation of this COVID thing, I think this could be the last hurrah of this Delta wave that's now declining. And we're seeing numbers in this country drop day after day after day. I feel good about things. Let's continue to be smart and safe, guys. But I, I God, I, I pray we're coming out of this. If I feel hopeful. I hope you guys do. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think. And let's get into our interview with Doc McGee right now on Talking Metal. Then I'll come back and give you all my socials and wrap things up. Okay, here we go. What an honor. The one, the only, Doc McGee. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast. And what an honor to be talking to one of the most famous rock and roll managers of all time, truly, Doc McGee. Doc, how are you, man? Pretty good, pretty good, Mark. How are you doing, bud? 
I'm I'm good. I want to check in with you and see how the the tour is going. It's it's back on. Paul and Gene are both fully recovered, I assume. Yes, both uh, Gene and Paul are are truly recovered and in good form. And we've done a couple of shows, and it's you know there's a lot of shit out there. <laughs> so we you know unfortunately this all came from home before we even got out there. So it just uh, which most of the stuff happens and you know we have uh we have all the cdc protocols and everything in place and uh gene and paul are the only two that got sick but now they're fine gene gene hardly had any symptoms at all and paul had some fever and stuff but gene he said if he didn't test positive he wouldn't have known he was positive right on right on we've heard heard a lot of that asymptomatic right Exactly. He's, uh, you know, and that's what he, uh, that's what vaccinations, I guess, do for you. Well, I'm, I'm glad that they're back out there because I know maybe some people aren't quite ready to rock, but others are. And, uh, somebody has got to open the door back up to live music. So props to you guys for doing that. Well, we think it's important. We, we think it's important if you're, you know, if you're just careful and do what you're going to do in your, hopefully vaccinated that uh and i only say that because i'm not one of those vax freaks or anything it's just that it seems to from what we've seen first-handed doc uh, oh lost you there for a second doc hello doc are you there yeah yeah yeah, yeah you cut out there for a second but uh, you were you were just saying from what you've seen firsthand the, the vaccines work i guess is what you were saying yeah it seems like it seems like if you're vaccinated at least the two people we've had come in contact with and one other person we had come in contact with it that were vaccinated had you know fever symptoms but that was it and it was over in a couple of days and so uh and it doesn't prolong anymore i mean at least you know even with the cdc from the time that you get a symptom it's 10 days and you're back to work so and you know and if you're hopefully if you're vaccinated or you have a strong immune system uh it knocks it out just like the flu did you know just like when you were sick and you catch your flu and you but now it's a lot worse if you don't if you're not vaccinated or whatever so right on well through the last year it's been a rough year for us music fans and kiss fans but you gave us the dubai concert which was just great you also gave us the a and e special which again wow this was such an amazing watch for Kiss fans. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how that all came about. Can you fill us in on that all coming well, about and it, ending up on A&E, which is actually where I work. I work at A&E. Well, the documentary uh, it originally was supposed to have been done two years ago. Okay. And so, which was, would coincide with the start of the end of the road tour. So it was supposed to come and launch the or help launch the end of the road tour to make people understand a little more about Kiss stuff that you don't know. I mean, it's like when you know when I watch the Eagles or I watch uh, another artist documentary, I always find shit that I kn- I didn't know about them. You know, or I didn't I wanted to know about them, and then I get excited and I want to go see them. So that was the idea, but. It didn't come to fruition and there was a lot of problems with the production company. And so therefore 
we ended up putting it off and doing it all through the pandemic. And then who knew that we were going to have the pandemic? So now it's almost the same way as it was supposed to be okay? right? because right. it, it comes out and now we're back touring again and we'll finish up next year. Right on. And it's just a, just an amazing watch. And one thing we heard rumored about speaking of television is I guess what I'd call a scripted kiss show or, or I, I wouldn't call it documentary. I like dramaization or something. Is that something that's in the works? Uh, yes, we have actually, we have a script that's completely done. Mark Canton, who uh, is a uh, very, very uh, powerful producer and production company who has the TV series power and ghost and all that stuff. That's, and he was the president of Sony and all that. He's done 300 films, a really, really great guy, his team and uh, universal uh, music and ourselves have partnered up with uh, Joachim Ronan, who is a director, uh, who's a very sought after director that did things like Pirates of the Caribbean and Contiki was up for Academy wow. Award. And and the, the script is about the first four years of Kiss. It's basically, it's before the zeros, all the, before they were famous. It was up to Cadillac High, that kind of thing. Right. And yeah. it's, it's and I think it's a very interesting look at the formation of KISS, the mindset of how that came about, the social pressure that everybody was in in the 60s and 70s that came in that that brought something like KISS to the forefront that could actually happen. So it's a, it's a very interesting uh, and I think it's a well-written movie. And our partners right now are, is Netflix, uh, but we'll see. It would be a theatrical release and, and then Netflix. Wow. wow. So, very exciting. And are, are yeah, you so casting already? Or is casting? We haven't, we haven't started casting yet. Um, we're finishing our deal with uh, a couple of distributors, Europe and, and uh, U.S. And then uh, we will get into casting i believe before thanksgiving will be in the casting right on wow very exciting and doc i want to get into your history a little bit can we talk about how you got involved in the music business originally you know something it's uh, people always think that you know like well you must have been a guitar player or you were you know somehow connected and i was as early age at 16 17 and 18 i played in a band and had a record deal but not nothing big you know we had a singles deal at mercury back then that's all you had was singles you know after the army i moved to florida and i started i mean literally i was waiting tables I was doing whatever I could to get on the treadmill and make a living, you know? And right. when I went back to Chicago in, uh, 74, we went uh, after Florida, you know, I was just like selling cars and stuff. And my sister introduced me to this guy, Bob Sterling, who was doing goodbye, Norma Jean, the story of Marilyn Monroe and winter kills and was a real music guy. And he knew I could, I played music and, Anyways, we hit it off and he said, would you want to help me do all my music stuff? I said, sure. And that's how it started, really. Wow. Wow. And you and went so, on in the 80s. The first time I remember hearing about you when 
you were working with Bon Jovi. And I was a big fan, still am, of Bon Jovi. I wanted to ask you about that time before they, they really became a household name, before you broke them. I mean, I remember seeing them before Slippery When Wet came out and, right. you know, they were opening for Rat at, you know, on an arena tour. Right. But then it was like two years or not even a year later, they came back through where I lived at the time, Chicago, and like sold out the Chicago Pavilion two nights in a row, you know? So it was like, yeah. it's such a transition that year. Can you talk at all about, about pre-Slippery When Wet and where the band was at, sure. where you were at and how you broke them? Well, you know, it's, it's uh, it, you know, people, first of all, like to say that I broke people, okay? I, I think it's, I, my role is really, I think I empower them and get them to be better at what they do and put them in situations that they can shine. So, but they're very talented people all the way around in their own fields before, before that. So with that said, John and, and gang, um, you know, we had done uh, two albums at the time and we had done, uh, you know, the Bon Jovi record and then the first record. And then we did uh, 7,800 degrees Fahrenheit. And I still don't know what the fuck that was. But anyways, it was a record that was kind of a rock record, but not a rock record. Yeah. Kind In of and thing. Out of Love, just, man. I like that song. In and Out of Love, right? Well, no, it was there was some, you know, there was some different. The, the reason why Bon Jovi, I think, just started to to evolve is because they were starting to play with rock bands. So they were playing with Kisses. They were playing with Scorpions. They were playing with Rat. They were playing with different bands that were harder in the sense of a harder uh, sound than what Johnny was used to with Southside Johnny and, and Springsteen and all that stuff from Jersey Shore. So um, as the bands with Tico and, and, and Richie and Dave and, and Al, they just, that, that rhythm section was so good and so tight um, that it just kind of morphed into this rock band because they were just, you know, that's what Richie and Tico and Tico came from, from uh, Frankie and the knockouts and, and Richie came from Richie Zambora and friends. And, you know, he was all, you know, he's a really good guitar player and a really good writer. So Johnny and Richie became really great writers together. So after that period of not understanding, Johnny wasn't coming from a great place during uh, 7,800 degrees. So he had broke up with his girlfriend. He was having problems with, you know, he broke up with Dorothea and, and they've been together for a hundred years. Okay. And so there, you know, he was having troubles with that and just, wasn't being accepted as much in the music scene as maybe he would have liked to, or any of us would have liked to right? Uh, during, during that 1983 through 1986 uh, period of time. And then when uh, we got off the kiss tour and came back and Johnny and Richie started to work with Desmond and then uh, they wanted to make a fun rock record. And, um, with no expectations of 
that this was going to be monstrous. This was going to be, you know, man, or any of that shit, just a great rock record, which we did in six weeks in a cloud of dust in Vancouver with, you know, Bruce Fairburn and Bob rock. And, um, just, we walked in, we knew all the songs, we knew all the arrangements, we knew everything we were going to do. Amen. Born. And that changed his world, changed everybody's world. Right on. Right. You cut out just a little bit at the end there, uh, Doc. You, you, you said yeah, you, we walked in with all, you walked in with all the songs. We, yeah, we walked in with all the songs and we walked in with the arrangements and everything that we were going to do is actually six weeks of the cloud of dust. And we, uh, we just came in to make a fun record and not overthink anything. And, and it just came out as slippery one wet, which was, you know, just changed everybody's life, you know? Absolutely. Including the people listening to it, like myself, such a, a great. Yeah. I record. think, yeah, I think those, I think those songs, uh, kind of dictate the time uh they're uh they mean a lot to people in several generations of people now you know it starts to 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 move people so yeah it was a very important record for uh for the bon jovi band and for myself moscow peace festival was something that you put together and I, you know, even to this day, how hard was it to make that happen, to work with the Russian government specifically in making that happen? I can imagine that wasn't easy it's, or was it? You know, something um, I, I wouldn't I don't think I'd have the stomach to do it again um, because it was an idea that was put together and then it's kind of like, was well, that's what my life is. See, I make shit up and then I have to do it. Okay, <laughs> which is right, right. which is a lot of times you gotta wonder why did I say anything, but uh, you know, my job is to find tipping points. Okay, things that that move people's careers, move things around the world, not not to see if they can get them on radio or see if you can get them. Did my stuff. I have to do is to change people's lives forever in certain instances, not every day, but as many times as I can. And this was a very big tipping point. This was doing a show to the Soviet union that never allowed a rock band to ever play in the Soviet union ever. Okay. To where you couldn't play guitars, electric guitars, you could play acoustic guitars. You could do a Billy wow. Joel. You could do something like that, a Beach Boys kind of thing in, in uh, Warsaw, Poland or something in the 60s. But in Moscow, you're not playing Moscow, okay? And, and they were putting kids in jail for listening to Ozzy Osbourne and, and uh, Scorps and Skids and Bon Jovi and they were putting, they were literally putting people in jail at the time. But with Perestroika, with it was Gorbachev with this Perestroika, gave me a window that I thought we could get in there and do it. I didn't realize that it was just going to be an ass whipping to try to do anything in the Soviet Union. Right. But, but uh, at the end of the day, 
it was the first rock band to ever be on television in the Soviet Union and you know in 11 time zones we have three time zones they have 11 wow. uh, we were the first first rock band to ever be played on Soviet television uh, we're the first ones to ever play in Moscow or to play anywhere we did 300,000 people in two days in Lenin Stadium and the people were unbelievably gracious and friendly and and this was their kind of you say Woodstock but this is like if you had if you were a baseball fan and all you got to do was listen to the radio and listen to baseball games and then and imagine what a baseball game looked like right, now you got right. to see it see it right a, yeah a baseball game you'd be, you'd be pretty blown away so that's right. basically what it was for that whole you know 11 time zones so it was you know and did we know that it was going to affect the world the way it affected the world or did we know that being this part of it would be an instrumental part in the change of the world no but fuck no we didn't have any idea that was gonna happen it just it just happened to be the timing and and you know gorbachev told me he did he didn't say no and that's wow. how we got it done okay and i think that that's the truth because nobody said yes we didn't have one permit to go into the Soviet wow. Union. I thought we, I thought we were going to be arrested when we landed. I was actually hoping that we'd be arrested landing on the runway because that way I didn't have to do the show yeah. and it'd be an international incident and we'd be out of there. Right. But, but we ended up, you know, landing, you know, magic bus to Moscow, uh, landing and, on the runway, getting out and doing a press conference on the runway in Moscow, which you couldn't do if you were in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Much less, you know, New York or LA, you know, but we did it right on the runway and they were very appreciative of what we had done and what we had brought to uh, the Russian culture and the Russian kids. They were very, 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 very happy. Yeah. So wow. it was, it was, yeah, it was tough, uh, but everything you do is tough. So you just, you just go do it, I guess. Right on, right on. A couple more questions before I let you go, Doc. You guys did on Sirius XM, it was like a limited run Kiss channel. And, you know, we have the Pearl Jam channel, Ozzy's Boneyard and the Beatles channel and the Jimmy Buffett channel. Any chance we could get a permanent Kiss station on Sirius XM because for us KISS fans that would be just incredible well you know something I, uh, we've talked about it and one thing that we don't want to do is what everybody else has done okay um, and it's very very limited on what KISS does on the channel it's pretty much programmed by XM and, and people, you know, that, that, that program it. And it doesn't really represent kiss as well as I would like it to. So if we change that concept and, and I believe we will in the future where we can be more active and more engaged in it. Right. And yes, we, we will do a channel, but until we can, until we can control and engage, it the correct way we won't 
Right. Fair enough. And the last Kiss concert ever of the End of the Road tour, is that something you guys currently are planning that specific date of location, uh, what it actually will be? Is that something that's currently in the works in the planning stages? Yes, it, it certainly is. You know, we were supposed to end this year, actually, uh, you know, in July, but because of the COVID and stopping us from doing the touring, set us back a year and a half. So it looks like the last show of Kiss, you know it, with Gene and Paul will be sometime uh, at the end of next year. Okay. We don't have a locked-in date yet because of what's going on. It's very difficult to get for people to hold dates because we don't even know if you're going to be able to play. You know, so we're trying to hold dates. Everybody's holding dates, but it will be next year. And, um, you know, we want to get through what we said. We wanted to, the guys wanted to play to everybody and meant – We'll go to your town, big or small. You know, we're not the red carpet band that you have to come out. We, we've always been the people's band in the sense that, you know, the Kiss Army and that supported us for all these years. We go to all the little towns to play. Right on. You know, to see everybody. Shit, it's been 50 years with these guys hello doc yeah i losing, lost you there for a yeah second. losing yeah. you again but you said it 50 years with these guys and yeah i know they they always play like fort wayne indiana they play trenton new jersey uh even we'll lake play, Placid, we'll new york every, yeah come and see us that's what we're supposed to do right we on. don't just do we just don't do stadiums where you go there and you have a shitty seat and you can't see anybody and you can't you know what i mean this uh, there's Absolutely. listen do we make money yeah we make money everybody makes money but one thing we do do we we if you paid 150 dollars for a ticket or 20 dollars for a ticket you got a 300 dollars show or a 50 dollars show you know it's right we it's we sp- spend a lot of money on our show because we you know hey listen to us that's what kiss is you know right. kiss Kiss is the band that you want to go see. Now, maybe you might not like the music as much as you like other people's music or songs or whatever. And, uh, but you will come and see the show because it's, I think it's a must see. Absolutely. It always is. It's always just for me, a religious experience, my favorite band and uh, cannot wait to see them again. You got the Vegas dates coming up. I'm thinking of heading out for those. The final date on the website right now is July of 2022, but you're saying the final concert would be towards the end of 2022. Can we assume there would be more dates in the back half of 2022? Yeah. Yes, there will be because we have to make up a bunch of shows that we couldn't do. Plus we have a a whole little run of some special stuff that we want to do. And, you know, it's hard to end a career. Nobody really wants to go away. Okay. Right. <laughs> they all say they do. But, you know, again, it's like, you know, it's like uh, Brady, you know, at some point he's going to say, That's, I, wa- I don't want to be the old guy on the field. I want to leave when I'm on top. 
And that's what, you know, that's the way Gene and Paul feel, you know? Absolutely. So they, they, they want it. They, they're not just quitting because, and they're spending time, uh, you know, a lot of time away from their family, but the Kiss Army is their family. So <laughs> they've spent more time with the- Doc, losing you again, but. Yeah, is that any better? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. there you go. But anyways, it's uh, it's just been a true honor speaking with you and a big thanks to you for taking some time out of your day to talk to the Talking Metal listeners. Thanks to Ian McCurdy for connecting us. I appreciate that connection. And uh, please be well. You got to be safe out there. Once again, a big thanks to Doc McGee for joining us. Legendary man. Wow. Epic. Ian McCurdy, thank you. Lynn. Doc's uh, right hand, she is uh, amazing and helped hook this interview up too. So big thanks to her. And a big thanks to everyone who supports me on Patreon. I usually read the names at the beginning of the show. This time we're doing it at the end of the show. But you guys, I never take the support you give me for granted. I hope you like the bonus podcast I, I do exclusively for you 50 people on Patreon. Hope you're enjoying your Talking Metal t-shirts. And uh, yeah, your support on Patreon means the world to me. Please consider joining us there, guys. Join great folks like Nick Beach down in Australia. Hope you got your t-shirt, Nick. Mrs. Metal Dan, Sam Warwick, Kedo Yogava, Adrian Cusick, Dane Damage, Madison Hatter, Seth B., Alan Janssen, Hank Reeves of Dash Vodka, John Simpson, Huckney Jacobson, Ed Ferguson, Denny Striegel, Patrick Sabin, Jerry from Salt Lake City, Blue Walsh 21, Victor Guzman, Gene, Eugene DX, Sean Richmond, Mario Charance, Andrew Miller, Jeremy, Jeremy Weltman, Chris Riley, Johan Erdstrom, Stephen Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Gregory Muse, Kenny McCrimmon, Leo Shaben, Brad Dahl, Dan Gurwan, Victor M. Ruiz, Sam Soupy, Drake, Matt Carroll, Joe Ryan, Jason Seth, Stephen Saylor, Ron Keel, yeah, that Ron Keel, Jean-Francois Blah, Anthony Mackey, James Bennett, David Gray, Fred Rutz, Michael Street, Mike Jones, Stephen Hoker, John Boivari, Metal Dan, is that it? Yeah, that's it. We lost somebody. I'm not sure who we lost, but there used to be, uh, let's see, who do, who, do we, who do we lose? Somebody cancel? David Guntner canceled. Oh, goodbye, David. And John Barron's credit card is not going through. Oh, well. All right, guys. Thank you for your support. Later.